Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of zombie San Antonio, whiskey, accounting, Red Rock, Las Vegas, and so much more with the San Antonio veteran himself, Mr. Michael Rogers, a big player in the San Antonio cocktail scene and now spreading the word for Balcones Distilling and sharing some amazing whiskey throughout the state of Texas. A guy who writes horror, zombie, love fiction, a good father, a guy who really likes numbers. It feels like Mike has it all. And we've been talking about chatting for over a year now, as we mentioned in the conversation. And it's finally good to bring him on the show and dive into that brilliant mind of his. After all of the chats he's listened to, we talk about it. And I hope you guys really fall in love with Mike, too, as maybe some of the many other guests that I've had on the show. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Michael Rogers of Balcones Distilling. <laughs> I've been working two jobs, full-time accountant, That's full-time right. bartender. Haven't had a lot of time for that, yeah. uh, for movies. Um, and you're married, man. I mean, married, all kids, yeah, everything. Kids, the whole thing. Um, busy, busy, busy. Um, five, ten years. Uh, Saw was older than that, correct? It's what, 90, ah, 99, 2000, really? 2001? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Almost as old as my oldest daughter. Jesus. And stepson. Wow. Um, I do not t- pass. I, I yeah. Got, I got nothing. So, so it's fair to say that because you're a father now, mm-hmm. you've got entrepreneurial, exp- you know, things that you're doing. Absolutely. You're spreading the booze. Uh huh. Have you maybe lost sight of who you were as a kid that loved to read that horse? No. To watch that horse? No. No. In have. fact, in fact, uh, this is a huge year for Stephen King. Yeah. He's got. Three movies and two TV series uh, coming out this year. Dark Tower is Dark a Tower. finally making it. To it. It's, oh, it's re- being, right? Yep, right. being redone as a movie. It's probably going to be two. I hope it's going to be two because yeah. it's not going to, you're not going to, they're not going to be able to get the whole story out in just even a two hour, two and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. That's, that's much, uh, much broader than just a short movie. Right. Um, Gerald's Game. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I've heard one. of it, but I've not that's, read that one. That's a pretty twisted book no shit I Stephen King being twisted. I know right it's kind of <laughs> weird um but yeah there's a lot of uh well there's S&M and and it, it's a very rich sexually explicit yeah. style of book um not quite erotica but close enough very Clive Barker about because Clive always oh, goes yeah. close God, to yes. S&M yes I actually was thinking I wanted to talk Hellraiser with you Hellraiser is a great movie it's you been a long time it? since I've seen it but yeah um, but yeah, that that whole series was cool. Yeah, it's very mind bending. That's right. Very it does. It's sexually challenging too. Yes, you know because and I like, wonder how much of that is a translation of him being 
in an age where it wasn't okay to be gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And trying to bring out the sexuality uh, in a way that was acceptable. Right. I think is, is, is Clive Barker, did he come out? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he came out in the 90s, I believe. Wow. Early 90s. I didn't if not was, late 80s, yes. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, his work has that pinned up frustration. Oh, absolutely. And sexual, you know, it's, yep. it's very much like that. Well, there's a lot of different ways, Mike, that we can, <laughs> we can go into this chat. I mean, already touching into horror, which I really want to touch in again as an author yourself, right. writing okay. about two zombie novels, two out. zombie novels, yep. something about, um, wow, what is it? Chivalry, right? Yes, this is, John, well, just another zombie love story. Chivalry right. is undead, and we're gonna have to talk about that because you were apparently at Austin Comic Con a couple of years ago. I was, I saw that. yes, but there's also whiskey. There's a whole lot of shit to talk about. Yeah. I, it's it's hard to focus on your life because it seems you've done so many cool things all over the goddamn place. But it starts, if I understand, in Oxnard, California. Oxnard, California. Yep. Oh, what wow. what the hell is Oxnard like? It's uh, around. The OC is that right, so, or is it a little bit? No, 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 no. It's north of LA. Oh, it's north of LA. No, it's okay. halfway between. So the best way to put it for people who don't know where it is, uh, think of where Malibu is and where Santa Barbara is. Yeah. We're smack dab in the middle, right on the coast. Got it. Okay. That's that's where Oxnard and Ventura County is. Pretty place. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, not Oxnard. Ventura jungle? is nicer, Ventura? which is just the next town up, which yeah. the county is named after, obviously. Right. Um, Oxnard. Ton of strawberry fields. Used okay. to be the world capital, world's biggest producer of strawberries. No shit. And then they tore, uh, dug them all up and put up housing. Uh, so not anymore. Now it's Northern California. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like to grow up there? What kinds of things you actually get to do socially there? There wasn't a lot. No. Um, there was, I, growing up then was a lot easier. I wouldn't have allowed my daughters or kids to do what I was able to do. It's just like, okay, go ride your bike. So we go would do ride. your thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you can go outside, go play. Um, now it's a scary time. Uh, we used to ride our bikes to the beach every single day. Yeah. Um, it was probably a good three miles, but didn't seem like much as a kid. Right. Um, now if Went I had to, to the do beach, it, it's great. I'm, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was fun. Um, Sports kid? Art kid? Baseball. Baseball. You Baseball. actually played what position? I did. Uh, every position. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed pitching. Uh, enjoyed third base. Uh, I was one of the fastest kids. Um, so that was that was always fun. Uh, I've only ever, and this is, I don't even know if this is even topic, but I was, I've only ever lost two foot races. And... One was to a girl, and but they got, she they're very, very sprightly. Kicked my ass. Yeah, uh, seventy-five then, yard dash or something. I don't even remember how yeah. long it was. It was like fourth grade, fifth grade, um, and then the other, not really a race, but I was on. I had gotten a single. I got in first base. The guy who came up after me got a hit, and he caught me before I got to third base, and I got yelled at by the coach. Because you know Pat's behind you, you need to just go. It's like, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So we both wound going. up on third base, and I should have already been home. I see. Yeah. Did that translate? So you know, I think about playing because we're talking kind of elementary and right before mm-hmm. junior high. Right. Did stuff change for you? Did you have a more academic focus as you went into junior it, high, high school? Extremely. I was always, and this was back when the movie Revenge of the Nerds came out. Hell yeah! I was lambda, lambda, lambda. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I got all of those jokes because I was very much a. I you were know, a nerd. I was a nerd. 
Right. What, what Just makes plain a nerd? and simple. In the 80s, what makes a nerd? Now I kind of get it, and it's kind of sexy now, actually. Now being it a nerd. is. I, yeah. I'm but then kind of jealous not. of the kids now that yeah. actually get that label. It's um, like, oh, yeah, I only did. But back nerds. then, it just contributed to extremely low self esteem. Of course. <laughs> and isolation. And isolation, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just being in the, the higher classes, the, the advanced placement, the college prep, the, yeah. the, the, the higher classes, and actually doing well. My class had, my high school class, had 555 students graduate, oh. and I was fourth. Jesus. Yeah. So this is still in Oxnard then? It's still in Oxnard, yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, lived in Oxnard from 1977 through 2006 Wow. Yeah. So when Almost you So you went to school there then too, after yeah. high school? Uh, I did a little bit of a uh, little bit of college. I'm about halfway done with my accounting degree. Yeah. Um, Why accounting? Yeah. You know, it's here's the sexy. nerd thing. There here's the nerd okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took accounting as a... Uh, an elective sophomore year of high school. Okay. And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. The fuck does a 16 year old know? <laughs> yes, um, CPAs are real, oh, real yeah, exciting. Sexy. <laughs> um, but no, it it made sense. And it, it fascinated me that a number on page one at the very bottom matched a number on page 72 at the top. It's like, mm. how is that? These are two different things going on, but they right. matched and. It just fascinated it's me. It's a puzzle so of sorts. It, huh? it really was a puzzle. It was it was definitely mind uh, uh, activating. Sure. What uh, did, were your folks in that industry? No. What did, no. Your My folks mother uh, uh, has worked. Well, at the time it was General Telephone, GTE. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's Verizon. She's still still with them. checking. Away? Really? She was. Uh, she is going to hit forty years this uh, this year God with damn. that company. That's crazy. Like, I can't fathom working for the same company for no. forty years. Yeah. Unless it's your own company, I suppose. What's that? Unless it's your own company. Oh, if it's my company, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that um, shit all day. And it won't even be work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be for the love of it. That, um, but so what about your your dad? Anything in that area? Was picture. he around? Out, out of the picture. picture. Me too. Uh, so completely we, we out that. from yeah. when I was two. So I've probably seen him half a dozen times yeah. in my life. Did you want to get remember. remarried then? No. No? It was just me and her. No kidding. Only child, just me and her from the time I was two until I moved out when I was 18. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask you a question. I, yeah. I was raised by a single mom as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably until I was about eight or nine that my folks got married, as I know them today. Right. I feel like being raised by a strong, independent, professionally centered woman, mm-hmm. it really causes us to respect women a lot more. I think that's very true. Very true. Do you think that you treated women different than your mates that were maybe kind of taking them for granted, maybe objectifying them a little bit? Because... You know how hard they had to work. Now here's, uh, I can see the outwardly turning. yes, yeah, outwardly yes. I would never say what my teenage brain was actually thinking. <laughs> no, no one. It, I don't think anybody wants to. Yeah, talk. no, no one yeah. wants to know what the teenage boy is thinking. Right. Although all males know what it is. Sure. Probably most females at this point know what it is. Um, but no, it it absolutely outwardly. Uh, taught me respect yeah. for women, and that's utmost importance to me. And I'm extremely happy that I had two daughters. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Actually, almost karmic in a way. Right, I think so. Do you feel like we're in an interesting spot here? Question being, do you feel like women are being more marginalized than they were because of the way that the political climate is now, or do they have a better voice than they did? I think they've had a better. They have a better voice now than they ever have. Yeah. I think marginalization may be being brought to light 
yeah. more. But I don't think it's any worse. Um, in fact, because of the political climate, I think more are speaking out and to make a difference. That's right. I think that's. I think positive could come from the the potential negative. That, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it kind of spawned an uprising in a way. Absolutely. Punk rock came Absolutely. as a revolution, a counter revolution, yep. right? Yeah. Exactly. So, as a father of two daughters. Mm-hmm. How, what's the best message? And I, I'm not a parent, mm-hmm. and I don't know the complexities there. Right, friends that are parents and all that. But for you, what knowing how guys are, what kind of message can you give to your daughters to make sure that they feel confident and that they can really grow up being the best women that they can be? That's a very good question. Um, this is not a parent, no, a it's, it's podcast. no, it, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> it, it's it's. I never really thought of that. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure I showed them as much love as I could Which is great, and yeah. just show them how it is. Because I divorced uh, my ex-wife when my oldest was, uh, let's see, seven. Yeah. So similar situation what I grew up with, but I was there. Yeah. And they were my world. Um, still are? Still are. Yeah. Um, I don't get to talk to them as much as I would like. Uh, one is away in college and the other is on the other side of the country. Mm. But they're still super important. Yeah. Um, best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and I think that if you if you talk about the love, maybe that's the best message think, any woman can that's, have. That's or any daughter, any son. You know? to, to see the male that actually does show that affection and, and show the love, yeah. it, I think that is the best that they can see yeah. um, by example then it, that's yeah exactly i there's no manual that that works for parenting at all yeah so it's <laughs> yeah. that that's all i had to go on i hear whiskey is a good accessory to it to, to kind of aid I things along well i didn't start drinking until i was 28 really so it was after the separation with the ex yeah um drives a man that, to drink that was a big weekend actually I've, yeah. Drove up to San Francisco and got drunk for the first, second, and third time. Uh, had my first cigarette. Yeah. Had tried pot for the first time. So all in the same 20s. weekend. So, so does that? I, growing up in Salt Lake City in the late '90s, mid '90s, there was this very strict hardcore straight edge movement, right? So, right. I, that I got why I wouldn't be smoking. It wasn't really a right. thing because that wasn't the right. norm. But for you, why such a late bloomer? Because I saw enough uh, over drinking yeah. as a child, and my mother smoked, and I hated it. Yeah, and I I'm not going to do that. I just I just decided I'm not going to do that. And Talking about punk movement, right? Pretty much, it's just revolting, it, just against, revolting that. against that, yeah. and which not a bad thing considering what I was revolting against. Sure. Um, I've definitely made up for lost time, uh, <laughs> especially uh, when I started working in this in the, the hospitality industry, yeah. uh, working with booze every day. Um, but it was it was a, a conscious choice. Just I didn't like what I saw and I told, didn't want to go there. Completely understand. And getting older, uh, I feel I can handle it better. Yeah. Whereas if I were were to start it at a younger age, it probably probably would have gone down the same path. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I really, honestly, we have we share that too. 
It was okay. it was a conscious choice to not drink because of my grandparents. Okay. Being drunks and my grandma would talk about UFOs all the time while blitz on a fucking gin and tonic, dude. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. It's kind of like I don't know what's going on. So you here, said Salt Lake City. That's right. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Something else we might have in common. Uh, half of my family lives in Salt Lake. No kidding. Yeah. Is the Mormon. The Mormon part. Really? lives in Salt Lake. They all hate that I work in this industry. Oh, I imagine. Um, everyone in my family, except for me and my mother, yeah. are Mormon. No kidding. Yeah. That so, is a heavy influence, though. It's family like Family that. is, I think that's the best part of that religion. Family is the ultimate. It's the most important thing. Absolutely. And I, I, I've got to tell you, the, the sense of community, mm-hmm. the sense of belonging, Absolutely. the sense of cordiality was unparalleled oh, in any other city i've lived in oh good felt like even if it was warm and based i never felt disconnected it didn't matter yeah it was just like you and me were the same but right. i just don't do this stuff and you for some reason won't drink mountain dew right and that's yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly there you like, go yeah i don't understand it really yeah, i the, lived on mountain dew as a teenager fucking right i lived on it that's what happens and you eat chocolate and you drink nintendo and yeah right. but you i can see how that builds our psyche in a way right Right, it's it is really in essence punk rock, and I yeah. know it doesn't feel that way necessarily, but it, but it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So, as a writer now, mm-hmm. when did this kind of proclivity towards writing and expressing yourself on the page start to come about? Honestly, it was a an on thing when I was in elementary school and oh, really? junior high. Uh, Love telling stories. Uh, and writing stories. Mm. Loved creative writing. That was the best part of the day, mm-hmm. which. I turned out to be an accountant, which is the opposite of writing. It's not creative at all, but that's I'm a like I'm a paradox. I don't understand. But like a lot we of would, things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um we would you know when you're in elementary school, the teacher gives you the first line of a, a of a story and then you write a story based on that. There sure. were there were about five of us in the class that and this this is shit that would get kids expelled these days. So we would there were like five of us and we would write these stories and we would kill all our friends in the story sure of course just the most gruesome way we possibly could ever <laughs> uh we would just decapitate and, sure. and all that shit and then as soon as writing was done the teacher would say okay who wants to share their stories the five of us would be the first ones with our let's hands do off. this yeah. yeah let's let's read this out loud and it was nowadays if if kids did that they would be sent to the office yeah, and probably right. suspended and you can't write that shit it's like but that's creative Sure, and, and it I didn't turn out to be a serial killer. That's yeah, right, because that's not how it works. Serial killers yet. don't write about killing people; <laughs> they think about it. They never. That's true. Stephen King that's writes about killing his whole family, and exactly. is a normal dude. Exactly. So, did it give you some encouragement to kind of take it further, and maybe not then, not then, not then? Uh, the last story I remember writing was in junior high, and it was we had to write a book for the book fair, mm-hmm. and we had to draw pictures. And I'm like, "Fuck this! I can't draw." <laughs> To a stick figure to, right. for to save my goddamn life, but I wrote it was seventeen pages, single spaced, really junior high, 17? junior high. Wow! And that was now looking at that, I was like, that was a short story, but Still, everyone that's else big. They're writing 10, 10, 12 pages with pictures, so it's only a few sentences on a page. Right. Uh, I did get an A plus. I got the 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 amazing thing is I got. Like twenty percent taken off because I didn't have any illustrations, but oh, I got geez. like thirty extra points for length. So this is an A plus, just awesome. like your adulthood. It's perfect. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, 
So that was the last story I remember writing. Uh, then I went, oh, when, oh, I heard about NaNoWriMo, which is what National is Novel Writing Month. Okay. The month of November, uh, someone told me about it. And, so it's NaNoWriMo.org. And you basically try and write an entire novel in the month of November. Wow. And I'm like, shit. How many pages is that minimally? Uh, minimum was 50,000 words, which works out to be about 175 pages. Wow. Um, so 2010, yeah. I said, okay, fuck it. Let's see if I can write it. And I had no idea what I was going to write. So, no seven year, so mid-30s, you're writing uh, this Let's thing. see, 2010, 35. 35, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I started off with a sentence. It was like, today sucked ass royally. <laughs> and then it just <laughs> opened up. I, I didn't know I was going to write a zombie novel. It just started Did, didn't even just, think like about in, it. just like in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, here's a sentence, make a story. Right. And it, it came from that. And then in 2000, and I didn't do anything with it. I just put it aside and, hey, I wrote a, I wrote a 190-page novel in a month and edited it and did all that stuff. Uh, did the self-publishing on Amazon. No, I didn't even do the self-publishing on Amazon at that point. I just, I didn't even edit it. Uh, I just let it sit. It's like, cool. I wrote a book. Yeah. Um, and then a year later, it's like, okay, let's try this again. And I realized that there was more story to tell in that story. So another installment. So, and exactly. And I just happened to uh, get the opportunity to do an accounting job in Maine, mm. in Western Maine. And there ain't shit out there in Western Maine. Is it cold? So I, it, it was cold because I was there from Labor Day, so yeah. September through Memorial Day 2012. So I was there over the winter. Yeah. So my mind immediately went to The Shining. Castle Rock, right? Castle Rock, yeah. exactly. Um, Stephen King, the home of my my childhood, uh, men, not mentor, but idol. Idol, yeah. idol yes. Yeah. And it's like, shit, I'm going to be in a snowbound hotel. <laughs> For a fucking month, or and I thought it was. They told me it was going to be a three to four month job. I was like, okay, cool. And it's in November. I said, okay, I'm gonna start this. I'm gonna do this. That book wound up being like 275 pages that I wrote in one month. Would you consider it and a reaction to your neuroses of living in those dark, cold no. winter? No, it's not. No, just a story. It's just a story. I'm hoping that you're like you murdered a couple guys. There's some blood flowing down the I'm hallway. Not, I can confirm. Not that can neither did not deny that. <laughs> um, but it was it was very cool, and I found that much like a lot of authors, um, alcohol actually helped with the creativity. I've heard that, and uh, it, and uh, it goes either way because sure. I know you've you've had someone on some people on that have said the opposite. That's right. I don't yeah, do, that I don't do shit when I'm drunk. Yeah, it's like well, I do more. Really, I write a lot more, a lot more creative. The grammar and spelling fucking suck. Sure, but that's, um, you can fix that after. The, and the, that's the funniest thing when I went back and started editing, and no one can see my hands, but you can. I, the the level of grammar and uh, and spelling starts off up here, say at ninety. Sure. It's like, and then as as it goes along, as I'm reading along, editing, editing, it's dropping, 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 and winds up at like thirty <laughs> percent. And then it goes back up to ninety. And it's like, oh, that's the next day. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so you know, funny so I could tell. I I love thinking about the processes mm -hmm. and rather the way that people frame their creative process. So Hemingway or Picasso. Right. So I was reading recently because someone was talking to me about Super Unknown Soundgarden, which is mm -hmm. one of my favorite bands. Cornell never w drank. He, so he drank a lot. 
Mm-hmm. But he never... Or not when he was creating. That's right. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? That, so all of the stuff we've grown to love, despite right. how post-apocalyptic it feels at times, mm-hmm. totally of a sober mind. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It almost blows my mind to hear that. So I love hearing... That means he's that an extremely dark person. That's... Oh, fucking right. Yeah. And I've... I'm an extremely dark person. It comes out a lot more when I'm intoxicated. Sure, of course. Um, Me too. I, I just love the dark, darkness, uh, horror. The first first movie I remember seeing, eh, I saw Star Wars, and I don't know. Everyone thinks I'm full of shit that I remember it when I was two, but oh, I saw I that when I was remember two. Remember that? Yeah. Um, my mom took me to see. The Shining when I was five. Oh, Jesus. Well, she took me to see Clash of the Titans. It was just the drive-in. Yeah. We went and saw Clash of the Titans, and she thought I'd love it, and I absolutely loved it. Killer movie. And the second movie was The Shining. She figured I would fall asleep. Uh-huh. Like, nope. Scared the <laughs> shit out of me. But From that's five where, years old. That's, that was my first horror movie. That's crazy. And, that, and I dedicated my first book. I uh, One of the lines was to my mom. It's like, Mom, thank you for taking me to see The Shining and scaring the shit out of me. It's amazing. That's what sparked my love of horror. Yeah. And it's just everything dark and, and scary from there. My mom let me rent Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. I was approximately three to four years old. Okay. She didn't know what we were renting. <laughs> <laughs> so we get it and she's turning it on. And I've watched a little bit of it. And she says, we're going to have to turn this off because Freddy's down there in the right, furnace. Right, right, right. But it just piqued this interest. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when we're young, we're so susceptible, but so open and accepting of all of the right. colors. The dark, the light. Mm-hmm. And I I love that piece of it. But so, for me, you know, thinking about this narrative for you, where you've got a good, keen sense of numbers, you mm-hmm. enjoy accounting to some sense, pursue no, it. I hate it. <laughs> Fucking hate it. I liked it, for the first, it right? I liked it for the first seven years I did it, yeah. and the last 13 years were fucking hell. So that just blows point, what you were just uh, saying away, and I'm yeah, sorry, okay, but no, that's okay. No, that's, that, but that's, that's totally okay because at some point, then hospitality introduces itself because you are this burgeoning writer. It's almost like adult onset writer, right? Because right. you take this massive right. break. Oh but yeah. Is, but this period in between, we're talking Vegas. We're Twenty-one talking, years in between. It's insane. Between so writing you, stories. What were you doing while being mad at accounting and kind of diving <laughs> into hospitality? Well, we moved from California. Uh, so we is who my my wife yeah. now. Oh, first one. My wife now. Oh, no, great. My great. wife okay, now. Okay, yeah. Um, we moved. California was just too expensive. Sure. Couldn't afford to to continue to live there. Yeah. So in '06 we moved to Vegas, and I had this huge tax bill from California, which is uh, one of the reasons we had to leave. I hate because I couldn't yeah. afford it, and I needed a part time job just to pay that. Yeah. And a friend of ours, uh, I forget it was. Uh, someone that my wife had met as soon as we moved there. He said, well, I'm I'm uh, working at Red Rock as security. We need more security. Red Rock. I've, been, Red Rock. I've spent some time there. I love that casino. It's a beautiful place. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. And so I went in and I got the security job. So I was mm-hmm. doing security from March of 06 to November of 06. But in the meantime... I was talking to the bartenders because I was doing security in the clubs. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you're making six figures working four nights a week? Huh, what the fuck am I doing this for? And I put in for a transfer immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was there was a bartender out there, uh, Jen Potter, that inadvertently convinced me to do it. 
Mm. She was telling me, yeah, it's not easy. It's it's hard work, but the money's great and it's fun. And truer words have never been spoken. Yeah. And it was cool that she told me that up front. And I've never been afraid of hard work, obviously. Uh, and when I was in Vegas, I worked the entire time I was in Vegas. I worked two jobs, two full-time jobs. And, uh, and did that take time away from the family? It took a point? lot of time away from the family. Were you still um, able to keep kind of that closeness with your wife at that point? Yes, uh, we were we were just dating at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, two months after I started in Vegas, I proposed on stage uh, at a Billy Joel show. No, it was Zoe <laughs> Bowie. Uh, Zoe the, Bowie, the, the what lo- is that? The local act at in the in the club in in Red Rock. Yeah, amazing. Uh, they let me come up on stage and we sang Happy Birthday to her because I did it on her birthday. Yeah. And then I we brought her up on stage and then I got down on one knee and she was flabbergasted and. Couldn't say yes, but she almost tackled me on stage. Um, I was like, is that a yes? And yeah. And we got married in Vegas. And we got married day before Thanksgiving of 07. Which, 07? It was 07. So I guess I was... coming up on 10 years now. 10 years this November. Absolutely. Wow. I'm I'm just trying to think of the time frame here. Oh, so it was... I started there in 07, yeah. March of 07 to November of 07, I was doing security. The week after uh, I we got married, mm. I was officially allowed to become a barback. So I was a barback in Vegas for four nights a week, uh, 32 hours a week, and I was making 60K. It's crazy. It's insane. And I had, sh- yeah. the, I had what was considered the shittiest shifts available sure. the, the I, bottom of the total yeah right? i was the last one on you get the worst shifts i was in the bowling alley two nights a week making 300 dollars as a bar back i was on the graveyard shift on the weekends so city that never sleeps they right. say it's new york but it's really vegas um i was working from 2 a.m to 10 a.m so i had my regular eight to five monday through friday job and then had this fucked up schedule at Jesus. the casino but again just the bar back making 60k a year. right why and not dude? same 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 salary I was making as an accountant. Yeah. Exact same salary. No shit. Um, do you like the the people element of it? Because people can be I real shit. I didn't shitty. realize that I did until really? I started doing it. I fucking thought I was the. I am the biggest introvert. You get me behind a bar, changes. Totally different person. Really? I can talk to anyone for about anything yeah. for as long as you want. So, but you get me in a room with more than three people, yeah. and I'm the one that's just sitting there only speaking when I'm spoken to. Really? So I've, it's a one-on-one absolutely. kind of thing? Not necessarily. Okay. I think it's the, the safety of the bar. I see. I would have been Linus. The bar is my blanket. I see. That's, yeah. that's exactly I've heard that is. before, that it is, in a way, a firewall. It is. Right? That's, you know? exactly, it that's, a great, that's a great way to, to look at it. Yep. From it. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is I think as a writer, whether or not you're actively doing it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you're still a writer. And writing is inherently the interest in the human condition. True. I think, right? Yes, yes. So, you know, having fucked up people left and right in front of you really oh, yeah. helps give you great fodder for writing. It, <laughs> whether I consciously realize that or not, yeah. yes. It, whether I know that, yeah, this is a, this is someone that I met 10 years ago when I was behind the bar yeah. and in Vegas, and it's like, yeah, that person's going to show up in the book somewhere. That's right. Uh, in some way and sometime, and I'm not going to know where the hell it came from, yeah. but I'm going to think my brain did it. But, no, it's someone you actually talked to and met and interacted with. It's real. And yeah, yeah you exactly. You can feel it. It's got a, yep. a, a smell. It has a, a, yeah. a visceral kind of experience Absolutely. attributed to it. Absolutely. The stint like, in hospitality <clears throat> in Vegas, 
Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself getting pretty drawn to what we call now craft cocktails? Not a bit. Learning about not at all. Not at all. So it's more uh, well, transactional. Well, actually, let me let me let me back up a little bit. Actually, doing it, no. Yeah. Learning about it, yes. See. I took a class with Southern Wine and Spirits, which is now Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits. Right. Um, took a class that they only offered to casino bartenders that were sponsored by their casino. Okay. But I had friends that worked at Southern Wine and Spirits, and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll get you in the class. Okay. And it was the most informative, uh, deep, deep, deep dive into spirits. Mm. It was a 12-week course. Uh, I remember on a Wednesday night, and it we would taste literally minimum 24 spirits. Wow. It was insane. Uh Definitely needed a designated driver on more than one occasion. Sure. Didn't use one. Um, <laughs> kids don't do that at home. Um, bad news. Bad, bad, bad. Right, right. Bad Mike. And but especially the rum and tequila night. Oh, oh my God. We did 12 rums, 12 tequilas, and eight mezcals. Wow. In one night. Yeah. In one two-hour class. Insane. 32. It was like quarter to a half ounce of each. Yeah. Just stupid amounts of liquor. Right. 12-week course learned everything, not everything, but learned a ton about every spirit out there. Mm. And it was invaluable. And it's Crash what, course. It, it really was. Yeah. Um, and then right as that class concluded is when I got transferred into uh, into the, the food and beverage side out of security. But still at Red Rock. Still at Red Rock, yeah, yes. Okay. And I... And, and, I'm not embarrassed to admit this, but everyone makes fun of me for it. I actually went to bartender school. American bartending school. 1-800-BARTEND. That's exactly yeah. it. Exactly <laughs> it. Didn't learn I a goddamn that. thing. Right. Uh, I, and, and I knew I wouldn't ahead of time, but the point of it was to get comfortable behind the bar yeah. because I hadn't really spent any time in a bar in my entire life. And at that point, I was 31, 32. Yeah. I'd only started drinking like two years before. Um, but I needed to get that comfort level. I've been told that you'd be a great bartender. You'd be a great bartender. It's like, I don't see it. I don't know why. I don't know how you can say that. But when I took that, it's like, okay, maybe it's, it's all math. And yeah, which accountant you you like a drink is all math. Um, you bound to like Hemingway, a heavy drinker at some uh, point, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, funny story when I, uh, Jumping all over the place, but whatever. Uh, my honeymoon, we went with my wife. Now yeah. we went to St. Martin, and then for one week, and then we did two nights in Key West. Oh, killer! So we actually toured Hemingway's house, and I, I bought a book from the the gift shop. Yeah, like, okay, touristy shit. Saw all the fucking cats. Love I'm cats, allergic no. to cats. Are you really? Oh God, yes. That's the only thing I'm allergic to. Really? Everyone here in Texas has all these. Oak allergies, sure, cedar, and all that, that cedar, all that, yeah. yeah, all that shit. And it's like, no, doesn't bother me. Just Give me cats. around a cat for about ten minutes, and <laughs> I'll be sick for a week. That's crazy. Uh, it, it'll start with the sniffles and allergies, and then it'll turn into a cold. Yeah, wow. and it's a pain in the ass. Um, but yeah, saw Hemingway's house, and definitely an inspiration. That might have triggered the the bug to maybe write a book because that was three years before I wrote it. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, 
I have stories in me. I have a lot of stories. I and I still still do still have a ton of stories. I probably have fifteen novel ideas that I want to get out of my head. Yeah, uh, in many different genres, actually. Uh, probably four or five more horror novels. One, I'm halfway through the conclusion of the Just Another Zombie Love Story series. Killer. Which um, would be the third installment. Third installment, yeah. yep. And I need to finish that shit because I actually still get emails once a week or so. Say, when are you going to finish this shit? Because yeah. the second book came out in 2012. It's pretty recently. Or 2013. 2012, yeah. 2013, I don't remember. When you get old, it's just like that. Sure. Um, but I still get emails four or five years later. It's like, when's the next one? Yeah. When's the next one? It's like, okay, I didn't think anyone was going to give a shit about these characters like I did. Right. And and that that's really freaking cool. Dude. It's really cool knowing that every every word in those books came out of my head. Yeah. Well, I mean, you own it. Yeah, right? like, absolutely. I, I, I love, and we'll talk about podcasts in general here mm-hmm. shortly, but I love the fact that you're really engaged with that piece of it, this mm-hmm. content, you know, that, I mean, I feel really lucky to be speaking with you, but I also feel really privileged. Like, you're telling me, like, I listen to this shit. It's the same thing as the word on the page, except right. I'm not editing it, right? But right. it's out there in the ether. It's out mm-hmm. there for people to exactly. consume. But the thing for me that I, I'm kind of interested in, because for me it was music, for you it's writing, but you mm-hmm. have these other creative intersections such as bartending, hospitality, now you're with... Do you, you want to talk about I am about with Balcones. Balcones. I am with Balcones. Yeah, yeah, a wonderful whiskey, right? Great whiskey. So where can you really define yourself, right? Because are you a writer? Are you a booze guy? Like, can you yes. stand divided like this? Yes. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> but to, how much? Lo- it's but, all in me. But at some point, does it? Do, does, do you have to say I've got to be this? Do I have to choose? Thing. No, I'm I, not asking I, you to choose. Of course, no. But, but you don't think. But, you do. but that's your question: is yeah, do you absolutely. have to choose? Like, yeah. I, 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 even if you asked me to, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, I do love the whiskey. I'm passionate about the whiskey. I, I love Balcones. Yeah. Um, it's a reason that I work for them and no way else. Right. Uh, I had a very short list of companies that I would go work for. I knew I wasn't going to do anything distribution side. Yeah. Had to be supplier side. And I only had three companies that I would go work for. Wow. And the two scotch companies weren't calling, mm-hmm. uh, and which is cool and sad. And But I, I do love that the Balcones reached out to me because I had been a cheerleader since 2013. Yeah. Um, and they said, come get on the payroll. It's like, eh, you can't afford you me. You come get on my payroll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can't afford me. And because I had in my mind that it was going to be distributor money. Yeah. And I don't know if this is something that should be talked about, but distributor money is not as good as supplier money. No, of course not. Um, and I feel bad for the distributors, but that's just the fact don't of life. Don't feel bad for them. It's the fact of life. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that. So, yes, I'd love to come work for you, but I honestly don't think I can do it because I have these salary expectations and I know what I'm making as a bartender. Right. Um, and lo and behold, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, it was, I was, it's the same thing I was making as a bar, t- bar manager. Yeah. And with benefits. And that's incredible. shit, that's, that's a no-brainer. Well, let's, so we'll, we'll dive into it because Balcones is huge fan of it. If, right. I've judged it for years now and you guys always take away a medal when we do the, the judging panel and we can always really? taste it. I didn't know you, you oh, yeah. you've judged it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, awesome. I, I've got it on the back. I, muscle memory with Balcones. I can taste I, it. You can absolutely tell. It's lovely. Because it's not like anything else. I fought it's... for that true blue cast strength as a corn whiskey. Uh-huh. Like I fought for it in that panel. They're like, we don't get it. It's like, it's a corn whiskey. 
you guys need to be able to taste this. Like, is it corn whiskey? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, there it is. Then oh, it's an amazing it. product. Amazing. If but you if, can, if you can handle the heat, then totally. the, the, the see how did how did Jordan Corny put it? Uh, if you can pay the heat toll, the flavor reward is amazing. Oh, it's insane. Just yes. a bit of water, just Absolutely. a little bit of water. And, and I just, do. I bring it down to about 110. Yeah, exactly. And that's perfect, that's perfect, perfect for me. But it does. So the thing is, I've known you as a cheerleader for San Antonio. Mm-hmm. You've worked at Paramore. You've worked at Bar 1919. Right. Correctly. Those are the two big ones. Two huge ones, right? Yeah. No pun intended, given yeah. 1919 is a massive yeah. fucking bar. But why did you go? Why San Antonio after Vegas? What this brought is, you? This is where my wife's from. Oh. And. Mom family wanted to come lives? home. Yeah, all yeah. her family's here. And I've always, I'm a Californian. It's like Californians, Texans, not historically, not the best fans of each other. And I, I fought against it, fought against it, fought against it. Even tried to get her to move to Austin instead of San Antonio. Yeah. Very, very grateful that uh, she said no. Yeah. At the time, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> But San Antonio, uh, I was right there at the forefront of the craft cocktail. That's right. You uh, were there. You like one of the pieces uh, of the dream Green Lantern. Team. Green Lantern was the number two cocktail bar in San Antonio. Is that the place Soho. that Jarrett worked at? Yeah, Jarrett yeah, worked there. Don right. Marsh worked there. Yeah. Um, I worked there before either of them. No shit. Uh, I was there about six months after it opened. Wow. Uh, the owner, who now owns Blue Box and. Uh, Bridget, St. Francis Bogside, mm-hmm. George's Keep, which I helped open. Uh, they're about to open Hanzo. He actually came into the bar I was working at and requested that I come work for him and make his bartenders better. Wow. Like I was floored. Wow. Because literally, I lied on my resume like everybody does. <laughs> and you had Chris Ware's story earlier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I said I was a bartender in Vegas. Yeah. And it's honestly not... As big a lie as it could have been because... Sure. You were in Vegas. You were behind well, the bar. And, and and a year in Vegas, bar backing is worth four years bartending anywhere else. Mm. At least at the time. Nowadays, if you want to do the craft stuff, no, there's a little bit more to it. But when I was here, when I first got here to San Antonio, yeah. it was there, was... there was Soho. That's it as far as the craft bars go. Wow. And I, did, I worked at the Westin La Cantera which is now the La Cantera Resort. Mm-hmm. And they hired me on the spot because of the Vegas experience. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Uh, now I'm going to own it. I got to put up and shut up, yeah. put up or shut up and owned it. And that's at the resort is where I met Don and Jared. Killer. And they're definitely responsible for your interest. In where the I've gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and, when I left the resort, I went to a French restaurant that's no longer there, which Stefan worked at after I did, Stefan Mendez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm just name dropping all the great bartenders in San Antonio. See, I think that needs to be <laughs> done, though. It's San Antonio it's, hour, man. We're awesome. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're doing great things down there. Um, but worked there, then went to the Green Lantern and and... I'm going to back up just a tad. I'm all over the place again. But oh, went to when we moved here, we didn't I didn't want us to be both unemployed at the same time my wife and I. Right. So I moved here, which is totally backwards. I moved here in January of 09. 
She didn't move here until July of 09. Oh, shit. So I came here not knowing a goddamn person. I lived with her parents, with her her mom and stepdad. Wow. Uh, couldn't find a fucking accounting job. I was here maybe three weeks and got the, the bartending job. Mm-hmm. So I was doing both. I was looking for both jobs and couldn't, couldn't find an accounting job. She wound up getting an accounting job before I did. No kidding. When she got here seven, six months after I did. It was just... Because it's I was par- a higher level karmic, accountant, yeah. so there's less less uh, less turnover, less opportunities. Right. But I also think that everyone saw California and Vegas on my resume. I was like, yeah, fuck them. And, this, and I actually <laughs> talked to a couple of business owners as a bartender that said, yeah, we see resumes from California, we just throw them away. Like, oh, shit. Well, fuck you. Wow. <laughs> I'm but Vegas. better than most of you. Yeah. Um, but... That's a little arrogant, but but no, I mean things happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in this time that you've been there, how many years have you been in San Antonio now? Uh, looks eight years, so two thousand nine to now. Yeah, just over eight years. Do you feel in these eight years that you <clears throat> came from ah, uh, what's the word? Kind of helping the scene blossom to now being at the forefront of it, controlling the narrative, helping educate, helping people learn being a mentor do you feel like it's been that kind of evolution for you there absolutely um i now i want everyone to do better and i'm i've i've helped uh bohannon's expanded their or they opened a new restaurant in bernie Mm. and i trained their bar staff and i would love to actually continue to do that uh, all over the place just because i do love the 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 transfer of knowledge yeah Uh, I, i do love teaching um but I, there's so many great bartenders that are already doing it. Sure. Uh, Jarrett, yeah. uh, uh, Derek Cortez, which someone else you need to talk to. Yeah. Um, there's just so many great bartenders, so many great mentors in San Antonio, and that's we're a little overlooked in the in the cocktail scene. I, and that's, you absolutely are. Yeah. And, it's like Minneapolis in the punk scene in the right. Like the 80s, okay. Right. Okay. Who's Cardu and then replacement? That's like all you got at a Minnesota. Right. Whereas everybody's looking at that New York and California, right? Oh, yeah. San Francisco, is, New York, yeah. and nothing in between. That's right. But there's um, so much going oh, on. Oh, it's so there. rich. Yeah. So rich. And and we have the second biggest cocktail conference in the nation. Exactly. And yeah, and we still get overlooked. That's right. But we have amazing bartenders down there. And it's, I love being part of that community. Yeah. I, I love the closeness that uh, the majority of us have. Uh, the, the, and the, and honestly, that's the only thing I miss not bartending. That's yeah. the only thing I miss being a rep, is that camaraderie of every night you're you're doing these this together. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun. Uh, bartending is is a blast. It's a lot of fucking work. It, Absolutely. The 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 forty two year old body is not happy with <laughs> not happy with hyperextending your knees for six hours eight hours at a time. I know, man. Uh, my back's not happy. My knees. I will. I half the time I wear two knee braces on each knee. Wow. Uh, You're like Carlton Fisk. Kinda. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Gary Carter. Carl, That's Carlton right, yeah, Fisk. Yeah. All of yeah, absolutely. Uh, Johnny Bench. Yeah. Uh, any of those guys. It, well, so that's how I, it feels. That's how it feels. So I want to, because I've been eyeing the True Blue, I love this stuff. <laughs> yes. Let's pour a little bit of this and talk about this latest chapter, mm-hmm. which is the transition right. to brand work, and then we'll dip back into some movies. How about okay, that? That absolutely. Movies and books. Because, the, the, well, the first book I ever read was 
Stephen King's It. Yes. I was 13 years old. I read that in junior high. It took me five months. First book I ever read. Uh, did a book report as an eighth grader. Loved it. And I've read it four times now. It's a 1,200-page novel. It's a big and one. I've read it four times. It makes me wonder how Stephen King can keep writing like that at that point. Just oh, being yeah. so prolific. You know? Well, that was back in his uh, heavy Jim Beam and cocaine days. So I had those. No, actually. <laughs> I've had the <laughs> alcohol book, side of it, but not the drug side. Yeah, but see, that'd be a too. great chapter. Jim oh. Beam and cocaine. Oh, dot, yeah, dot, absolutely. Dot. Absolutely. I mean, there's something romantic about that. Well, sorry. Yeah, real, you know, yes, there is. It, yes. Obviously, there's some true tools. You can't really right. sustain a relationship. You probably can't be a good father. You did suffer other in other ways, That's but right. you put out some amazing shit at that point. At as the well. sake of your body, yeah, putting yeah. it on the altar. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, so we've been talking this about this for a while, and Balcones, you know, for me, they've been the hometown hero that has achieved international acclaim mm-hmm. somehow. Right I, from this yeah. small little fucking Waco, dude. Come on, Waco. They've managed to yeah. burgeon and blossom into this just wonderful global brand. Mm-hmm. And you said you had been kind of a sponsor and someone that was very, very evangelical about it. Yes, absolutely. What? You've got this amazing portfolio. So yes. one, tell me one of the things you really dive into a lot. Something that you love to sip. That maybe maybe it's not popular. Maybe people don't know about it. But for you, the thing that brings you to your happy place. It depends on the mood. Yeah. Uh, I love uh, the single malt and the brimstone. Brimstone when I'm barbecuing, oh, uh, yeah. which I don't do enough. And my wife, when she listens to it, yeah, you don't. She's, <laughs> she's literally going to say that out loud when she listens to it. Um, but brimstone when I'm barbecuing, because yeah. it's, it's like drinking Texas. It's like drinking barbecue. Yeah. Uh, the single malt, I love. Uh, I love Having a cigar in the in the winter time, I love having a cigar and just sitting by the fire in my backyard with literally the bottle of the brim of brimstone and a, a glass next to me. Mm. Uh, love that uh, true blue, baby blue. These are just the fact that corn whiskey doesn't have to be moonshine. It can and be nuanced, man. It, and this is that's why the blue corn is amazing. It is. Absolutely. This is the true blue hundred proof, right? Mm-hmm. Which hundred proof is just enough legs, mm-hmm. and just enough richness, absolutely, and just enough water. Oh my God, that's beautiful. It's, it's I, I, I love this that, one, man. That's so good. Texas whiskey mm-hmm. is not always good, and in most of the instances, it's fucking rubbish. This is one of the only. So, this is the thing that you, if anything, if I can give you some credit for Balcones, mm-hmm. you guys have created a unique tasting profile, right? Right. Yes, that is nuanced. Mm-hmm. delicious and skillfully crafted and oh, tastes God, yes. unique absolutely other people they're riding on the kentucky bourbon taste but they right. fall so short. short you guys doesn't feel like you try to do that it feels Not like you all. did no. your own thing and uh, just, yes you raised exactly. your own flag and That's people exactly salute it. it's like right? we're we're not making kentucky bourbon we're not making scotch we're making texas single malt yeah we're making texas corn whiskey we're making texas bourbon oh yeah uh that's did the you one. did you get to try the I've the, tasted it yeah the, the blue corn bourbon I'm gonna bug you Freaking about it amazing. more but yeah oh yeah when I get a bottle uh, I'll definitely share with you but that's an amazing it, thing oh it's fucking phenomenal how's the uh, team what's it like the working team's with awesome. those guys they're they're all great and I was just with the our Austin rep all yeah. weekend and we had a blast uh, great guys uh, 
first time that they had they uh, expanded their sales staff yeah. and they they hired one for Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, and uh, Houston, and all great guys. Does it's it feel fun good? when we get together? Oh, dude, I can't. Imagine. And drink balconies. Just give me a text <laughs> next time. <you're... laughs> oh yeah, gotcha. Done. <laughs> I don't know if I'll make it back alive, but hey, we'll yeah. see. Actually, distillers to distillers, we can drink pretty well. We can drink yeah. pretty heavily because tasting and tasting. So Jimmy Russell is to me like Juggernaut from Oh Excellent. God, yes. Because you're gonna take Jimmy Russell out. That dude can drink more bourbon than you could make in here. I, I believe that. It. Right. I believe that. That's I've, the beauty I've, of it. Though. He came and talked to us at 1919, and he's a Funny guy, I love him. And it's just so strong and so yeah, fucking tough. That's oh, yeah. Bourbon. But so you guys also are doing a rum now, and we, you have been talking about this. So what's this latest, most like, so this, this unrevealed? Rum, yeah. this, this rum that should be hitting the market here in Texas any day now. So I apologize to anyone outside of Texas. You can't get it. Um, That's what they get. only releasing it here because we don't make a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, it is the highest proofed spirit that Balcones has ever put out at oh. 137 proof. Fuck. It's also the driest rum I've ever had in my entire so life. So no, no added sugar. No, definitely no added sugar. So um, molasses based or agri- molasses juice? based? Okay. It's uh, it's molasses based. Yeah. Um, but all of that sugar is fermented out, all yeah. gone. So um, ultra dry. So oh, cool. your brain says there's sugar there just because you know that it's rum, right. but it's there's. There's none. And I had a daiquiri with it the other night. And holy shit, it's the best daiquiri I've ever had in my okay. life. Okay. Yeah. So you've yeah. got a hell of a portfolio to go into a door and people be like, hey, uh, yes. come on in. Exactly. And everyone welcomes me in. Yeah. I've only had college bars tell me no. Because it's just. They don't understand. Even our cheapest product is, our least expensive product is higher than their most expensive product. It's right. like, okay. Yeah, it's not a fit, but I had to try but until you're 23, 24, you don't become you an don't activated it. person that really wants the right. bottle. Right, true, very true. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. Well, I appreciate you sharing this True Blue Hunter proof with me. Again, I sit on these panels and I taste it. I'm like, dude, it's, you guys have to stick up God, for the corn beautiful. whiskey. Yeah. Because it is not moonshine. It is. And it's not moonshine. It's, and it's very American. It's, it's, it's very, very historical. Underrepresented. That's right. Um most of the corn whiskey I've had, I've not enjoyed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, There's only one I can think of I love. Continue to love. Besides your all stuff. Which one? Mellow corn, baby. Mellow corn's good. Yeah. Yeah, mellow corn's good. You fun. gotta love that shit. Um, and mellow corn is the last, and just to get off topic again, uh, mellow corn is the last bonded whiskey of, or bonded spirit available in Texas that I don't have on my uh, my back bar at home. That's amazing. And I know uh, Bernie Lubbers has a, a certification program for bars. Yeah. And it's in, you have to have everything that's available. And next time he comes to San Antonio, I'm going to drag his ass to my home <laughs> and say, you need to certify my bar at home because I have every bonded that's available in the state Give of me Texas. the stamp, Bernie. Exactly. Come on, man. And I asked him that when he was here last time. And he said, "No, the only bar, the only home bar that's certified is mine." Like, oh. oh, well, goddamn it! I'll be happily be number two. It's amazing, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's all amazing stuff. It is. It's really good. You guys have done a wonderful job, and I think there's going to be more innovation out about Kone's. I think you guys are going to do more interesting oh stuff. Oh my gosh! But I, I have think no idea. I can't say it on air. Yeah, I'll I mean, I'll, look, I I'll tell you after. Yeah, right. but there's, it will eventually be the commonplace 
whiskey for people. I hope so. I certainly hope so. It just takes time. It's a slow road. Yeah. And it's it's not inexpensive stuff. We're using high quality ingredients. We are still craft. Right. And it's... There's a lot of manual stuff that goes into it, and it's just going to take time. But one, once people try it, ninety percent of the time they love it. Mm-hmm. Like I was just at, we just left the food and wine festival, right, right. and hell of a time there. Everybody, yeah, that's why I'm kind of <laughs> kind of raspy, having that's a hard time. Right. I've been talking for two days straight. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was a great time and lot of converts, and it still amazes me. We've been around since two thousand eight, and mm-hmm. it amazes me that no one's heard of us. So that's that absolutely needs to be changed. Still work to do. Oh, a lot of lot of work to be done. So when we talk about the duality here, this booze guy, but then this creator guy, Mm -hmm. you've got installment three probably percolating, if not Mm -hmm. committed to page. It's it's stalled a bit, but yeah. If let's say shit, one year, two years from now, Mm -hmm. someone comes to you, they said, "You know what, Mike? Um, We actually really." like the series and we would like to adopt it or adapt it for film do you see yourself capable of dropping everything not everything right you're still gonna be father and husband Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. dropping those things and going and saying yeah you know what i am gonna write a screenplay i am gonna capture stuff for film i would love to yeah i would absolutely love to uh without a doubt and i've i've thought about uh adapting uh, the series and learn teaching myself how to write a screenplay because right. it's a totally different beast different than deal, just yeah. just sit down and pound out some words. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And but yeah, I think it would be a great uh, a great movie or a series of movies. Yeah, it'd be fun. And I would yeah, if someone came to me, I would absolutely do that. If you could, with that film, if you could pay homage to a few filmmakers or a few films you think that actually influence the way in which you write mm-hmm. what might some of those be as far as the zombie genre i would or even be... more drama even you know? right 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 if, if it was outside of the zombie genre it would be an homage to stephen king just flat out hands down yeah. zombie genre it when i'm writing i'm there's always a a, a a movie reel going on in the back of my head and it's it's george romero yeah and it's also uh Zombieland, but more than that, Shaun of the Dead. Ah, oh, I love it. Oh my god, dude! I can watch that movie every night and just love it and crack up every yeah. single time. Um, Simon Pegg is a god in my mind. Edgar Edgar Wright is an amazing, yeah. amazing Simon Pegg. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it's a beautiful balance of humor. Oh, it's and, oh, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly, and it's gross, and <laughs> I love that. It, and it's about I, like the UK charlatans right, and prince exa- and shit. Exactly, yeah. it's such love a great that. Yeah. Love that shit. Uh, Love the comedy thrown in. Yeah, I'm um, the first zombie movie I ever saw was Return of the Living Dead. I don't know oh, if you're man. familiar with Fuck that. Yeah. Brain. Yeah, uh, That's where that whole brain zombies eating brains came from. Uh, Dan, uh, the guy who wrote Alien, Dan, uh, Dan Baker. I can't remember his name. He died. He he directed that first one, and he was a great writer. And okay, he he just he eventually didn't write much longer. But he yeah. was a sci-fi writer. He worked with John Carpenter on Dark Star. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, and then he did Return of the Living Dead. Huh. That's a fucking great movie. I. I I love that movie. Dan O'Banion. Still, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I crack up every time I see that. It's a, it, it's a great one. It's old, yeah. and it's funny. That's I think that's the first horror comedy that I remember seeing. Yeah. 
Oh wait, Saturday the Fourteenth, which oh my God, doesn't hold a, up. No, doesn't it's not hold so up good, anymore. Yeah. I remember absolutely loving it, and then I remember trying to watch it a few years ago, and I was like, I yeah. can't get through twenty minutes of this. Yeah, it's like a sorority row. Uh, I that haven't one, seen it, but I see it on the shelf all the time. It's yeah. like, oh, do I want to pick this up just for the TNA? I was like, no, I it's really funny, don't. but then it's not funny. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it's 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 strange. Whereas yeah. like American Werewolf in London's funny, but great, still sticks great up. Movie. John Lane absolutely stuff still sticks up. Yep. You know? And then uh, American Werewolf in Paris, oh, which that, is that, funny. Yeah, that, uh, absolutely. And and one of my favorite songs is is Mouth from Bush, Bush and yeah. from that movie. Yeah, yeah. I love it whenever that comes on. It's a crime. Oh, man. It's a time and place in the night. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, we could obviously talk about whiskey and horror movies for a long time. But I think that I think I know the answer to this, but it's the stock question now for everybody on the show. And let's say you're at your favorite bar in the world, any place you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. You're sipping whatever you want to be. Maybe it's this True Blue. Maybe it's that Balcones rum. But you can have a conversation and a drink with anybody living or deceased. Who would you love to sit there and have a conversation with? And since I've been listening to you for about a year, I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of time to think about this and I still don't have the fucking answer. It's like kind of rude down. of me to I, put people on this podcast. I've got, no, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. It, 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 it puts people off a little bit and yeah. not off, but it, it puts, makes people think. Yeah. I and hope, I've anyway. narrowed it down to three. And yes, the obvious answer is going to be Hemingway, Stephen sure. King. Yes. Love to sit and drink with both of them. Uh, I would love to spend more time and talk to Dr. Bill Lumsden of Glen Morangi. Really? The okay. master distiller Glen Morangi. Amazing. Uh, he's fucking hilarious. I, I absolutely I love talk to talking that guy. to him. Oh, you yeah. do. You absolutely do. He's hilarious and knowledgeable as hell. Yeah. Uh, just fun guy. I would love to sit and just drink and shoot the shit with him for an evening. Oh, it's amazing. But that's yeah. you now given me a lead as they say yes i will you need to track him down when he's in texas i will he came and talked to us at 1919 and had us all cracking up it's fucking incredible oh yeah man well a year in the making mike finally you know, we finally, finally did this yeah connect and we drank some nice cavados you shared the true blue hunter proof mm-hmm. huge fan of it thanks everybody at balcones i want them to make sure that we love them and that they are truly represented here and that people Maybe you know do their making great, great texas shit. whiskey and you're a good dude. And I really appreciate oh, the support. You're sweet. And Godspeed, man. We'll see what's on the on the roadmap next with Balcones right. and your career. But I'm gonna keep my eye out for installment three. Okay. Let's hope it comes comes. Uh, to I will keep you posted. Right. I need to get back to that because uh, actually in the last few months I've been itching to get back to being creative. Because yeah. it's been a couple years wow. since I've written anything. It surprises me. It it me too. Yeah. But it there's been other focus. And I'm about 45 pages into my bartender memoirs as well. So that that's fun. You got to let me know. Yeah. Because I want to read that shit. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. It's been Thank great you. chatting, dude. You too. Cheers. Well, there we have it. The San Antonio cocktail veteran himself, Mr. Michael Rogers, slinging some amazing whiskey from Balcones, distilling across the fine state of Texas. I'm sure you'll find him at a Specs tasting near you to sip some of the great rumble, sip some of the great baby blue, true blue, bourbon, so many wonderful offerings there from Balcones Distilling. And Mike has just this penchant for numbers. You know, I wouldn't take him being such a creative guy. I wouldn't think he would be so good with accounting as well. But he's a well-rounded individual, a father, and I'm sure he's going to have a new novel 
just on the horizon. So, Mike, thank you so much for listening to the show. It was great to chat and finally have you on the Hunter Becoming the Hunted in a sense. And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how excited you are to see Dunkirk in 70mm with a wonderful score from Hans Zimmer, or if you're thinking, man, I don't know what the next great zombie thriller will be, please keep dancing.